Hi, and welcome to the GMC podcast, the place where you can listen to the weekly word from God and find other highlights from the team at GMC, Gillespie Memorial Church in Dunfermline, Scotland. In this podcast, we bring you the sermon series, Trinity, Understanding the Person of God. Each week, we will take a look at a different aspect of the nature of God, God who is the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and Holy Spirit, as we hope to cast some light and wisdom upon the complexity of the three persons of the one true Godhead, the mystery of the Trinity. But before the message, let's come to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Father God, this morning we come with thankful hearts for all your goodness to us. Thank you for your constant presence with us, leading and guiding us, protecting and comforting us. We thank you for your provision to each of us. You provide for all our spiritual, physical and emotional needs. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, our constant companion, and we thank you too for the fruits of your Spirit. Father God, forgive us when we do not appreciate all that we have from you. Help us to exercise these precious gifts. Help us to love others with the love that you give. Give us the grace to accept others just as they are and teach us how to reach out to all those who need to know your saving grace and mercy. Father, we need you every day. We ask for your forgiveness when we do not take time to sit in your presence or listen to what you want from us or what we should be doing. When we are impatient or unkind, help us to be more patient and kind and to nurture and encourage each other, to rejoice in the good times and to be a comfort to each other in times of anxiety and crisis. Thank you that when we do heed the nudges from your Holy Spirit, we are blessed and the encounters we have with others as a result of these promptings make a difference not only to our lives, but to the lives of those individuals and families we meet as a result of listening and obeying. Loving Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Teach us to be faithful disciples of your Son and our Saviour. Help us to find positives in apparently negative situations and to always give you the glory. Merciful Father, no matter where we are, you're with us. No matter what we do, You are there, ready to forgive us when we deny you or stray from your path, and ready to carry us when we feel we cannot continue. You are a faithful, loving, gracious and merciful Father, even when we are not deserving. Father, as we head into this new week with all of its challenges and opportunities, fill us with the fruits of the Spirit in order that we can be effective disciples and witnesses to your love. Hear our prayers now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Following that time of prayer, I hope your heart has been stilled and prepared for God's word to reach you where you are today. If anything you hear from our preacher today, from the word of God and the sermon challenges you, may be raising questions, then contact us. If you want to know more about how we can support you in your faith, or indeed, maybe help you in your questioning of faith, we'd love to help you get to know the Lord or go deeper with him. 
Or maybe you'd like to support GMC financially in our ministry for the kingdom. If so, then please get in touch through the contact us on our website page, gillespiechurch.org, or via our Facebook page. Now, over to our preacher. Know this, God is good. God's good. As we've been working through this series on the Trinity, God's planning has been in it, without me even having to work on it, because as I said at the beginning of the service, today, the first Sunday after Pentecost, is Trinity Sunday, the apt day in the liturgical calendar to finish a series on the Trinity, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit. So, as I wrap up today, I wonder what your thoughts are on the Trinity. Has it increased your understanding of the Godhead? The three persons, more. Have you come closer to one of them? More than the other maybes? Perhaps seeing a side of their person and nature that you hadn't seen before. I think God led me to do this series because there's a real hope there. That individually as Christians and corporately us as a church, as the children of God, that we must take seriously all three persons of the Trinity. All three. Understand their role daily in our individual lives and understand the relationship to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for us and for the church. But today, wrapping up the series, we dealt first with God the Father, seems a long time ago, but then we did Jesus Christ, the Son, and now we've been working with Holy Spirit. And today's theme is fruit, fruit of the Spirit. What fruits are you displaying in your walk with God, with your relationship? What fruit are you bearing? Because know this, anyone, anyone who is in Christ, whether they are aware of it or not, will be bearing fruit. Because we can not, not bear fruit. As Holy Spirit works in us, transforms our old life into that new creation in Jesus. And what great assurance that is. A couple of years ago, uh, pre-pandemic, I went to a conference where there was a speaker. He's the president uh, and professor of systematic theology and homiletics at the Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary in Grand Rapids in Michigan. He's also a preacher, a father of four or five children, I think. How he fits it all in, I don't know. Joel Beakey, really good guy. He was speaking on assurance of faith. When you're assured of something, you are certain about it. There's a certainty. And when it's in relation to God, it's an assurance that your relationship matters, simply knowing that you are saved. But do you know, sometimes that's hard. It feels hard to know, to be assured. In his book, Joel writes, a person who has assurance not only believes in Christ's righteousness as his or her salvation, but knows that he or she believes and that they are graciously chosen. Chosen by grace. Loved and forgiven by God the Father for the sake of Jesus Christ, who has died for them and continues to pray for him or her in heaven. Jesus a great high priest praying for us in heaven. We're assured of that. Such a person knows the Holy Spirit has regenerated them. 
changed you, changed your heart, and continues to sanctify them. In other words, he or she believes not only the facts of the gospel, that Jesus Christ saves sinners by his spirit, merely by grace, but believes, also believes these facts apply to him or her personally. And that's assurance. It's one thing to know the gospel, to know the words, to know that Jesus saves, he died on the cross and rose and did all that, ascended to the Father. That's intellectual head knowledge. It's when you believe it, believe and apply those facts to your own life that you find assurance. Deep down, being saved is a big question. Maybe it's one you've asked yourself, that question, am I a real Christian? Maybe it's a question all Christians should ask themselves in honest reflection. Because when we do, we acknowledge our true condition, but at the same time, we give thanks for the condition, the perfect condition of the blameless Son of God who became the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. And where do we find this assurance? Lee talked about it last week. Here, in this book, the... (laughs) the biggest selling book ever published. In the words of the Bible, that's where we find belief. The scriptures give wisdom to God's people on how to live, from following God's law in the Ten Commandments through to Jesus' expansion on these laws. Jesus who came to fulfill the law and the prophets. We can read about Christian behaviors all the way through Scripture in places like Romans 12 and Ephesians 5 and 6, where we are encouraged to be imitators of God, living in love. So this book isn't an optional extra for Christians. The word preached here each Sunday is not an optional extra. The word of God in your Bibles, I hope you use in devotional time, whether they're on an app whether you listen to them on the radio, on UCB, or Christian uh, Premier Christianity, wherever it is, the Word of God has been never so more freely available for people to discover and grow as followers of Jesus. And Christians are called to grapple with it, with the call to live and love as Jesus did. And we know we'll fail. We can achieve it never quite matching up. But we can be assured that the Lord did match up. And so as we ponder our failings and Jesus' perfection, I think the call is to know something more. And that something, there is more. There is more than Jesus. And that something is Holy Spirit indwelling us in us. When God called his son back, he sent his spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who helps our minds understand salvation by grace. Because, trust me, it's beyond human comprehension, really. It's the Holy Spirit that works in us to to bring that joy of the knowledge of grace. It's created by the Spirit of God so that we can be assured, even in our worst days, that we are real Christians despite everything we do. So through Holy Spirit, God is speaking to us, saying he loves us and he wants 
us to feel loved. So question, do you? Do you feel loved? Do you feel the love of God in your life? And then do you present that love to the world? Let's hear from the Word of God. I'm reading from Galatians 5, verses 13 to 26. If you've got your Bible or your apps and you want to follow, I'm reading from the NIV. Galatians 5, 13 to 26. You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do so that you do not do what you want but you are led by the spirit you are not under the law the acts of the sinful nature are obvious sexual immorality impurity and debauchery idolatry and witchcraft hatred discord jealousy fits of rage selfish ambition dissensions factions and envy drunkenness orgies and the like I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Father God, we thank you for your word read and heard. And now may the meditations of my heart reach us all. Father, would you bless us for you are our rock. You are our Redeemer. Amen. This passage starts by talking about freedom. I've, I've said before, I've mentioned this banner that's out there on our railings. I wonder whether you just walk past it and you, you kind of, it's been there so long you don't notice it. Come and find freedom. I, this is one of the banners I hadn't made when I, when I first came here in the first year or so. Um, to, to, to put out on our walls to say, our church is open. We're busy. We're here. And why did I put that message? What am I pushing? Simply what is written in Galatians 5, verse 1. You didn't hear it. But in Galatians 5, 1, it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And then Paul repeats in the opening verse from this morning's reading, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Freedom paid for at a price by Jesus on the cross. So what does freedom look like? Freedom in Christ. Well, Paul was writing. He had different audiences. For the Jewish 
Christian, what does freedom look like? It looks like freedom from the law of Moses, from Torah obedience. It looks like freedom from temple worship and sacrifice. All the rituals of the law, the entire system of animal sacrifice, temple rituals, the law of the Aaronic priesthood were replaced with a new covenant in Jesus Christ through his sacrifice where Jesus had already atoned for the sins of the world. The physical temple was destroyed in 70 AD, superseded by the spiritual temple in heaven. The need for circumcision had been replaced by circumcision of our hearts, the sinner's hearts, through our repentance of sins. So the physical requirements of the law is contrasted with spiritual requirements of a life in Christ. And so Paul contrasts these, this living in the flesh or living in the spirit. And the Christian is called, obviously, to live in the spirit and not in the desires of the flesh. But it's not just Jewish followers. Just as living in Christ frees Jewish followers from their Mosaic law, it also frees Gentiles and pagans from their past, from their idolatry, from their worship of other gods or none from their distance from Yahweh, the one, the true holy God, and their enmity towards him. It frees them too. And our world today is full of such. It is full of enmity, indifference even towards God. Last weekend at the Queen's Jubilee, I was struck. We heard so much about how much her faith means to her and boy does it but every time I heard them talk about her faith I couldn't work out why all these commentators were were missing a word her Christian faith it's not her faith in all the faiths or no faith she's a woman of Christian faith in Jesus Christ can't have that on the BBC It's her Christian faith in Jesus Christ that has nourished her role and her life of service. And so this double freedom that Christ offers from the Mosaic law and from pagan living calls Christ followers into a new found freedom to live in the spirit. But with that freedom comes responsibility. It isn't an unbounded freedom, if you like. We can't just live however we like. Paul writes, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Flesh and the spirit, often in Paul's writing, are opposed to one another. And I'll come to that in a second. But in that passage just there I read do you hear the echo of Jesus love your neighbor as yourself it's what Jesus said when he was challenged what is the greatest command first is to love the Lord your God and then to love your neighbor as yourself the love of Christ fulfills the division through the law 
and those who love Christ love one another. The Holy Spirit guides this love. So walking in the Spirit will not allow one to walk in the ways of the flesh. You can't walk in two different directions at the same time. If you are following Christ, you cannot follow ways that are contrary to Christ. Because if you are following those contrary ways, then you're not in Christ. Paul lays some of them out plainly and clearly. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. And the like. So there's plenty more to add in there. But if you think of love, if you think of real love, not the love you'll see on Channel 4 programs and dating shows and this kind of love. Love, unselfish, sacrificial love. The love that nailed Jesus to the cross, then love will not act in any of those ways. None of them. But these aren't just sexual sins, though those are the ones that often get the headlines. Those are the ones that people in the world want to bash the Christians for because they say that's all we're hung up on. Oh no, it's not. Sin is not limited to sensuality and fulfillment of bodily desires. It covers religious sin, pharisaical sin. It covers all sorts of social sins. And sin is what separates us from God. It's what pits us against one another. It's not that God doesn't want us to be happy, fulfilled, whole, for our desires to be met. It's just that when we have our desires, we want to take them to fulfillment beyond what God would allow. So instead of living as God would have us live in the spirit, we set ourselves up as masters and mistresses of our own desires, our own destinies, and fall into sin. We remove sacrificial love from the equation because that gets in the way. And then when that happens, things are just not going to go well. Paul goes on, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Plain and simple, there you go. Eternal life, inheritance as an heir of Christ is lost when we lose ourselves to our own desires. So how is the church doing in our walk with the Spirit? Last week, Lee talked about the gifts of the Spirit. Seeking God. Seeking God not for our own gain, not to put ourselves up on a pedestal. Look at me, I can speak in tongues. I've got the gift of healing, prophecy, look at me. None of that. It's seeking God's gifts so that we can both understand how he has and is giving us his good gifts of the Holy Spirit so we can use them for the kingdom, for his kingdom. The goal of Christianity is pretty simple. Once your life is changed, it is then to make God known. So the world comes to know him. We've heard from Tom this morning. 
God touched his life in a couple of ways. One through Judith, and then through his friend Paul, who'd become a Christian and was a bit scared to tell Tom. People come to know God and a relationship with Christ through us showing them. And that, I believe, is achieved when those outside of the Christian faith see how differently Christians live, how attractive we are because we are living in the Spirit. But there's a problem. Because quite often Christians don't live any differently to as the world is living. So why would anyone outside of the faith want anything to do with Jesus when the church appears not to have anything to offer? The slide of the church, you'll see it in my, my writings in this month's pastoral letter following on from the General Assembly. The more we become like the world, the less we become like Christ and the less attractive we are. Plain and simple. And those outside of the faith, those outside of the church are going to look at us and say, well done for catching up. Well done for reaching where we are in society. Enjoy yourselves. They're not going to come and join. It's Christ on the cross. It's dying for our sins that attracts. People make a decision for a Christ and then we encourage them to be saved, to recognize Jesus as Savior. That's what we aim for, conversion. But after conversion, then comes the hard part, living as a Christian. That's harder. And I think sometimes, certainly in the evangelical church, that's been a problem. Because we've placed less importance on living as a Christian and more importance on becoming a Christian, converting people, baptizing people, getting the numbers up. That's what evangelical church is about. But what about living as a Christian? Yeah, it's difficult to preach and teach on. So many churches end up not doing it, not teaching, not preaching on it, because it's hard. So maybe it is down to over-preaching on justification, being saved and wanting folk to come to the Lord, and under-preaching sanctification, how we live our lives. But know this, a decision for Christ cannot be separated from continuing a life after accepting Christ. Justification cannot be separated from sanctification in the spirit. In other words, we cannot separate becoming a Christian from being a Christian. We cannot separate becoming a Christian from being a Christian. Just because we might know a few verses of Scripture, it doesn't mean we apply them godly in our lives. My dad wasn't a Christian. I don't think he was. But often, as a kid, to me as a kid growing up, he would say, it's not what you do on a Sunday, it's how you live your life the rest of the week. Had that drilled into me as a kid. And I think it was partly to do with his brother, who was a twice-a-day-on-a-Sunday man. And my dad thought he was quite pious. Dad's right. Kind of. 
later life, once I became a minister, I used to turn around to him and say, you were right, Dad. It's not how you live your life on a It's not just how you live your life on a Sunday. It's how you live your life the rest of the week. I said, but it is also how you live your life on a Sunday. Do you honor the Lord on that day? He didn't like those conversations, but there we go. So, of course, this passage from Galatians highlights those sins, debauchery, the licentiousness, the sinfulness of deceit, self-centeredness, and division, these ways of the flesh, because they are certainly not the way of Christ. They're not the way of the Spirit into which Christians are reborn. But Paul does give us an indication of the ways that are much more loving, that bear unbelievable fruit. Love and joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you remember when Jesus talked about fruit, bearing fruit? A quick summation is basically he said, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree, vice versa, cannot bear good fruit. That's challenging. Why? Because he then went on to say, thus you will know them by their fruit. Do you get it? How are we known? What fruit are we showing? Somebody said to me, I I can't quite remember when it was, but during training, if you want to understand where someone's priorities are, Asked to see their bank statements and their calendar. Where are they spending their money? And where are they spending their time? And I was like, wow. It's a challenge. It's challenged me to up my giving. I'll look at Emma. Maybe we should go back and look again. where we should give our finances, where we give our time. Of course, I'm a minister. It's easy. Well, actually, it's not. It's not easy. But devoting my time to the Lord is what I receive a stipend for. My, my kids struggle. That, that they, Abby especially is like, you've got a job. And I'm like, I don't have a job. I don't have a salary. She says, you get paid. I went, I do, but it's not a salary. It's a stipend. There's a difference. And I'm like, she said, you pay tax. And I went, yeah, I have to. The government make me. Um, but I receive an income for working for the Lord. And I get it. Loads of people. Love the Lord, but they have other jobs and other priorities. But still, we are challenged. If I asked you to show me your diaries or your bank statements, not that I'm asking, what would it show about your life, your priorities, what fruit you will bear? These two lists, the sinful list and the good fruit list, if I can call them that, they are not exhaustive. This isn't where the lists end. They do not set out the Christian on one hand in the love, joy, peace, blah, blah. That's, it, it's not like Christian one side, bad pagan the other. For if that was the case, we're all done. We're done for. Because nobody would fit in the fruitful, perfect side all the time. Because Christians 
straying into sin all the time. It doesn't mean our lives will be fruitful every single day, every minute, hour of the day, every week, every month, every year. It's not quite so black and white. If you read 1 John 3, 5 to 6, it might seem it is. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. I'm okay with that. Jesus appeared that he might take our sins away and there's no sin in him. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Boy, that's challenging. That's black and white. Is that saying none of us are in Christ? Taken literally, then we're all toast, we're all done. But actually, John knows that those in Christ will sin again. What he is speaking of is habitually sinning. Continuing in it. Knowingly continuing in it. Paul in the lists in Galatians, as I've said, is not exhaustive in his characterization of sin, nor in the fruits of the Spirit. But they're just a broad range of examples, representative And so too is where we live in them. It's really which list characterizes your life. You'll have bits of both of them in your life, but which one is most characteristic of your life? If I went to your spouse, or your children if you have them, or your family members, or your work colleagues, your neighbours, all of those who know you pretty well, How would they characterize you? Is your life characterized by one lived in the Holy Spirit? Does it show signs of the Spirit? If so, then as Paul writes, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. I'm wrapping up. I've gone on long enough, folks. My, my hope is that GMC, this church, will be known by our fruit, by our walking in step with the Spirit, that the result of truly knowing God, Father, Son, and Spirit, remember this series has been on the Trinity, that we know the Trinity. Father, who is sufficient for all our needs. Jesus Christ, the Son, oh, too much to go into in a summation, but he is all so much to us. He is our saviour and our Lord. That's the key, folks. No, be assured he died for your sin, he saved you. And then, let him be the Lord of your life. And Holy Spirit, the presence of God with us, sent by Jesus for you. For you, so that you would be guided, so that you would be comforted, gifted, challenged, to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. I pray this has challenged you today, because that's what I'm here for, to challenge you, and that you've been challenged over the past weeks to come closer to God, to serve as you are able, to love as you are able, to give as you are able, and to know the love of God in your life. He loves you. That you too would love as he loved.
Thanks for listening to our Sunday podcast today from GMC in Dunfermline, Scotland. For more details about who we are, what we believe and how we serve, visit our website at gillespiechurch.org or find us on Facebook and YouTube. All inquiries can be made through the Contact Us page of our website or by calling the office. If you'd like to support our work with a few quid, then offerings can be made through the Support Us with Stewardship icon on the homepage of the website. This has been a production from GMC, including the pastors and tech team. All copyright remains with the producers. Today's episode was edited by Barbara Ann Howie, and the contributing music is Up to the Mood from Low Tree. Thanks for listening, and God bless.